You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 867 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday morning, and thank you for joining us for this episode. On the podcast today, we'll be getting into all kinds of stuff, including the Dwayne Dedman trade that happened today with Tony Snell coming to Atlanta. Also, we'll be tackling the move to add Nathan Knight on a two-way contract for the Hawks, the latest free agent buzz, some qualifying offer talk, non-guaranteed contract talk, and much, much more. I do want to go ahead and plug a couple things, by the way, if you missed it or somehow didn't hear the podcast yesterday and came today. Thank you still for coming today, but also there's still relevant information on that last podcast recapping the draft. I know that a lot of people join us for the first time, perhaps, after the draft and welcome to the podcast and hopefully you will keep returning and subscribe to the show but all kinds of stuff on this feed about the NBA draft dating back for several months now and also looking ahead now to for agency and more on the written side I am of course the managing editor of peachtreehoops.com and there's a ton of written content there I wrote a quick um, slash uh, sort of expansive in some ways glance at free agency um, coming on Thursday afternoon. Also some good stuff there from Glenn Willis coming on Tony, on Tony Snell on Friday. Um, all kinds of breakdowns about Onyeka Kongwu and Skylar Mays and all kinds of stuff on that particular site on the Hawk side. Also, I joined Chad Ford on the Big Board podcast on Thursday. I think it's going to be publishing on Friday. We talked about the Eastern Conference grade, so I gave out a grade for the Hawks and every other team in the Eastern Conference on draft night, so that was a lot of fun to talk to Chad on that one. Check that out uh, as well. But anyway, I wanted to go ahead and set the stage for today's podcast. Again, we'll get into Devin, the trade stuff, two-way contract stuff. All of that is coming momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first one is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now they're up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered with 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. So the big news of the day on Thursday, in addition to just the normal draft fallout and the reflections on the draft, grades, all that stuff that was going to be circulating inevitably on the internet, free agency's not coming until Friday evening, nothing crazy on that front either. So the big news in Hawksland, though, was the trade that was reportedly consummated. This has not been official, not been announced just yet, but there is plenty of reporting and confirmation on this. It was first reported by Woj and Shams on Thursday afternoon. And it basically is a deal that's going to send Dwayne Dedman from the Hawks to Detroit for Tony Snell and Kyrie Thomas. Then it was reported soon after that by Sarah Spencer of the AJC that Thomas will be waived. We'll come back to that in a second with some details on that. But broadly speaking, it's not a surprise to see Dedman moved, especially after the acquisition of a Kong Wu on Wednesday in the draft. I did say on the podcast yesterday, that I, and I still think this, by the way, that the Hawks did absolutely not have to move Dedman. Um, logically speaking, it made sense to at least evaluate if, whether they could do it without any pain, but 
Um, I think they didn't have to do it. It was a good opportunity that presented itself, though, obviously, with this trade. As a spoiler, I like this trade a lot for Atlanta. I said that during the day on Thursday afternoon. I still stand by that. So it's kind of strange. I know I heard from some people today talking about the fact that I've now liked multiple things in a row the Hawks have done kind of um, uniformly because I praised the draft last night. I'm praising this move as well. So there you go. Buckle up. My uh, pessimism has not uh, been, I guess, sneaking through at this point in time. But anyway, um, it isn't the case with every deal, but basically with this trade, you have to start almost with the salary stuff and the money side of this because it's definitely important and it's a factor on all sides in this deal. So when the Hawks traded for Deadman back in February, they did it after they had already had Clint Capella on the roster. So they were doing it to find depth and because they were really liked him on the, in the locker room as well. Deadman is beloved around here in terms of his off-court stuff, his veteran presence, all that stuff. Um, also, it has to be noted that they were trying to not have Jabari Parker on the roster in terms of next year and has been his contract in the books, as well as uh, they just kind of spun Parker and his uh, player option to Sacramento along with Alex Lynn to get Deadman back. Deadman is scheduled to make $13.3 million guaranteed for the upcoming season, but only $1 million guaranteed the following year. And that's probably what he's going to be. I can't imagine it's likely that he gets that option. Uh, well, I guess not an option. Uh, that, that, that deal guaranteed in year in year three there. But alas, that's the really, at least from Atlanta's standpoint, $13.3 million this year and then $1 million guaranteed for the following year. So basically, Deadman was an expiring contract, and Schleck referred to him as such on Wednesday. That was kind of just common knowledge that he was basically on an expiring deal. In this trade, the Hawks send Deadman, who is, by the way, overpaid, but not like dead salary. He's still a very useful player, not a $13 million player, but someone who is still you know a reasonable contributor for sure. And then Detroit gets him. The Hawks take back a contract in Tony Snell that is also overpaid and underwater, but also, like Deadman in a lot of ways, not not dead salary. Uh, Tony Snell can contribute. Is he worth $13 million? Probably not, but he's both these guys are still NBA players. It's always a, an important nuance. Like Just because a guy is on a bad contract does not mean that they're not useful players on the court. They're still overpaid in a lot of ways. Both these guys are, almost similarly, but uh, it's just sort of an interesting um, NBA salary-matching kind of trade. So Snell's making $12.2 million a season in the last year of a multi-year deal there. So he's a true expiring. He makes less than Devin by about a million. Um, Kyrie Thomas is part of the deal, presumably because Detroit didn't want to pay him, um, and he has $744,000 guaranteed out of his $1.7 million contract this season. And basically the Hawks are reportedly choosing to waive him rather than paying out that extra million dollars. That's not a huge shock. Thomas was a, a early second round pick in 2018. There's a little bit of juice there potentially, but I'm okay with him moving on from Thomas at that number, given all that sort of the factors in play there. So financially, the Hawks do save about, sort of, I would say a few, thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars under the cap for this year. That's not, that's not a huge bonus, but it's something. And they also get out of the million-dollar guarantee for Dwayne Debman for next year. Even if they were very likely to waive him, that does matter for next year's books to some degree. So I wouldn't say that it's financially motivated in terms of the trade because that's not a huge savings at all for either team. But it's important to point out that in some ways it's sort of a swap of negative contracts again, negative value contracts, and they're both sort of similar in nature to that way. So on the court, though, we'll pivot to some, some actual basketball talk now. Um, Devin is very useful, but with Capella and Okongwu on the roster, plus Collins playing some five, Bruno Fernando as well, it wasn't as if Devin was going to be indispensable at this point in time on the court. It would have been nice to have him for insurance purposes, for sure, for the Hawks. He's a, he's a very, very, very solid t- slash good backup center. But, um, you know, role-wise, there's enough minutes where you don't necessarily have to have a guy making $13 million in Devin around. Snell, again, is not a fantastic player by any means, 
But to sort of put it plainly, he has a chance to play a larger role on the Hawks this next coming season than Debin did, if all things are equal in terms of health and all that stuff. Similar money, but Snell's role is just kind of easier to see in Atlanta than Debin's might have been after the addition of a, of a Kong Wu um, on Wednesday night. So the skill set for Snell, the biggest thing with him by far, other than the contract that you want to point out, is that he is a legitimately good shooter. He's made 40.2% of his threes over the last four seasons. That's a pretty big sample size. It's more than 1,000 shots. Full stop, he is a good three-point shooter. Um, not like elite, but certainly good, like full stop good. And last season, he ranked in the 75th percentile in spot-up situations. So that's what he'll be doing a lot of in Atlanta with Troy Young especially, is just kind of being open, um, hitting spot-ups, and just being a threat to spread the defense out. And that's, of course, something that Hawks needed badly from last year's roster. He's not going to be a big creator whatsoever. He's not going to run pick and roll. He's not a great finisher. In fact, he takes most of his shots from three, more than uh, 60% of his shots from three in the last couple of years. So, again, the, what he's basically going to be doing on offense is spotting up and shooting threes, and that's totally fine. With all that said, the Hawks just need that. I've been saying this forever. I was banging the drum during last season, after last season, this entire offseason. The Hawks just need more shooting, and Snell provides it. Um, he isn't great at anything else by any means, but again, he is a good shooter, and one of those things where it's just there's some safety in having that kind of guy on the wing. So we know that Snell can get open shots because of Trey Young's creation and the talent around him. He isn't going to start. That's the other thing about this is that Tony Snell is, I'm sure, aware. And I think his, you know, in terms of the trade, there's some expectations of him playing a ton. Like he's going to play some for sure, almost certainly, because he, because he can shoot and he is reasonably valuable. But when you sign a free agent, you have to pitch that guy, all that stuff. Tony Snell is just coming in on a contract He'll be a bench, a bench wing, and that's totally fine. An overpaid one, but given what they, what they gave up for, from Devin's standpoint, that's all perfectly fine. Defensively, he's okay. He's, again, not great, not terrible. Just kind of middling defensive wing. And a, a pretty clean archetype 3 and D role player that, again, is not going to be starting for any, for any length of time unless there's injuries. But he adds a nice element to this Hawks team, and that's the biggest reason why I like this trade for Atlanta. So, overall... I think Snell and Devin are pretty close in terms of value in a vacuum right now. It's sort of team by team in that way. And I think Snell just brings more value to the Hawks next season than Devin would have, at least if you assume um, relative health for Capella and Kongwu, et cetera. So between that and the small savings, I think it's, again, it's a move that I like for Atlanta. It's not like an A+, but I think it's a solid B+. It's a positive move for Atlanta. Um, the Hawks should still be, and frankly, I'm confident they will be looking on the market for another wing or two or, or some forwards. Snell's not going to stop them pursuing other guys by any means. But he does give them, again, a nice backstop, another guy who can shoot, and uh, sort of a proven NBA commodity in a lot of ways, which is nice to see for the Hawks. I think also the Hawks are likely to add another front, a front court piece of some kind, someone that could play center in a pinch. I know that might seem overkill because they just got rid of Deadman for similar reasons, but they don't have to spend big money on this guy. Um, and Hawks, the Hawks are not the only team. Most NBA teams seem to, and the Hawks have had the last few years, they like to have four or five center options on the roster. And we'll talk about Nathan Knight in a second. But the Hawks, I think, could still use another body in the front court, whether it's Scalabissier or someone outside the organization. They don't have to spend big money on it. People were asking about Paul Mossap. I, I get all that stuff. They do have an opening now for another veteran, big man of some sort, maybe a combo big, something like that. Somebody else at the four would be an option as well. But regardless, they now have an option to do that. Whereas with Devin on the roster, they were kind of set at center in a lot of ways. So maybe a little bit of a, um, a roster um, opening there in the front court if you want to get technical. Again, not a huge investment piece, but someone that's pretty cheap as a depth guy. So again, 
to wrap it all up, I would have done this trade. I'm good with it. I'm positive on it. I'm fine with moving on from Thomas as well. I like Snell's rotation wing, and I wish the best for Deadman, by the way, who I personally like. I've always enjoyed uh, I've always enjoyed Dwayne. I think I think he can play still, so I hope he lands in a situation that's pretty helpful for him long-term for the Hawks. A move that I enjoyed, and uh, welcome to the squad, Tony Snell. We'll talk about that much more in the future, I am sure. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast with stuff about qualifying offers and non-guarantees and free agency, etc., I word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, and some news to run up here. In addition to the trade, um, there was some reporting both from Chris Kernster and Sarah Spencer of the AJC. Chris, Chris is of the Athletic, by the way, um, throughout the day on Thursday, or I guess actually into Wednesday night, um, etc. But there will be no qualifying offers presented to Scalabissier, Damian Jones, DeAndre Bembry, and Charlie Brown Jr., um, that none of that is a surprise. I'll say that right now. The only bit of small drama or maybe a question would have been on Lebissier because of the fact that they traded for him and all that stuff. But even then, I expected this result of none of these guys to get qualifying offers. For the record, Lebissier's qualifying offer is about $3.5 million. I would not have given him that contract. And if you're going to present the qualifying offer, you have to be prepared for the guy to sign it. And that's more than I would want to give Scal. So that was, again, the only question... The other guys were pretty much um, guaranteed to not be on those qualifying offers. Charlie Brown Jr. is a cheap one on a two-way, but they didn't really give any 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 indication that he would be back um, necessarily in that role. So that opens up both two-way spots. That's kind of the only um, housekeeping thing there. And again, as I mentioned before with Lebissier, it would not surprise me if the Hawks signed Lebissier. Um, this is not stopping from doing that. They can offer him the minimum, maybe a little bit more than that if they wanted to make sure that they keep him. But there is a bit of a role now if they wanted to prioritize Lebissier. It doesn't have to be him by any means, but I know Hawks fans like him. They seem to like him, and he has some pedigree as well. But there is a role if they um, wanted to see fit with that. But the other guys, Damian, DeAndre, Charlie, I'd be surprised if they were back. That's just my opinion. That's not reporting, but just my educated guess on that front. Um, there was more news as well, re- reported by Chris Kirshner first, is that the Hawks are going to be guaranteeing Brandon Goodwin's contract for next season. That was a point that we have talked about a few times on the podcast. I'm a fan of Goodwin's. I think he has some value as a third guard and as a uh, guy who brings some force athleticism and defense to the table. Always been high on him. He's a local product as well. I think the Hawks do need to get another backup point guard ahead of him, frankly, but I have no problem with this whatsoever. I expected it. Um, his, his deal was non-guaranteed. Um, his full salary is $1.7 million, but even with you with you factor that in, I've shared previously on the podcast my projection that I've uh, got with some smart people behind me as well um, of about $43.6 million in cap space for Atlanta before all the stuff happened with Deadman today. That included Goodwin's full salary, so no change there. I expected this to happen. Not necessarily a given that he was going to have his, con- his deal guaranteed, that it is kind of newsworthy, but I would have done this. I'm totally fine with it. By the way, now, with Deadman um, and Snell and the waving of Thomas, the Hawks are a little bit slightly over $44 million. Not a huge difference there, but keep that in mind as well. And also, with um, this swap, basically, of Deadman for Snell... Um, the Hawks and this Goodwin stuff and Skylar Mays, if they do them, if they have Skylar Mays under contract, they'll be at 11 players on the roster. That would include Mays and Goodwin and Snell. And even if they don't guarantee a deal for Mays and they put them on a two-way or whatever they want to do with that, they'll have 10 guys on guaranteed deals when accounting for a Kongwu and Goodwin. So still spots to play with for sure, up to 15. We'll see what happens with Mays on his guaranteed money or anything like that, or maybe a two-way, all that stuff. But they do have an extra two-way spot open. And, um, 
In fact, they only have one as the sort of transition point here because um, the last thing I want to touch on transaction-wise is that it's been now reported and then, I guess, confirmed by Nathan Knight himself because he tweeted about it. The Hawks have not announced this yet, but there was reporting that Nathan Knight of William & Mary will be signing a two-way with the Hawks. Again, both open spots for Atlanta. That's not no downside there. Knight was like a top 100 guy in this class. Um, I thought he wasn't going to get drafted, and he didn't get drafted, but still a very um, sort of reasonable two-way guy if you evaluated him similarly to that. Um, 6'10", 250, he's a, pretty much a pure center, a four-year player in college at William & Mary. He has a nice touch offensively. I think he could shoot it eventually. Uh, free throw shooting was pretty solid. He had great numbers in college. That's not a huge surprise for someone as big as he is and as skilled as he is in, um, in that kind of small conference kind of level. But still, he moves okay. Not a great athlete, but not terrible either. Wasn't a big pick-and-roll guy in college, which is why I'm not sure about the fit. But he is someone who projects to be an NBA um, body for you on the on the interior if you want to sort of project that ahead. And he is pretty skilled. Would not have been my like huge priority as a two-way guy. There's a few guys who would have been ahead of him in the, in the pecking order. But we, we never know how, how that's all going to go down. The guys that I might prefer may not want to come to Atlanta. It has to be a two-way street as well. It's not just the Hawks signing whoever they want. So uh, Knight, is to- Knight is totally fine, honestly, on a two-way contract from what I have seen. Uh, I would encourage you to read a pre-draft scouting report that's up on BeastreetHoops.com from good friend of the podcast, Wes Morton. That was part of our 102, yes, 102 written NBA draft scouting reports on Peachtree Hoops. The Nathan Knight one is now available. You can find that one um, certainly on PeacetreeHoops.com by Googling it or finding it on the uh, on the full list of those that's pinned to PeachtreeHoops.com. But also as a one note here, two-way contracts are more lucrative this time around, which you talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but... He will earn more than $400,000 this season. That's a pretty big bump on a two-way. There is something to be said, by the way, for having another another big on a two-way contract. Because of what I said before, the Hawks and any team, um, there is some value. Just There's some safety and security just having enough big bodies if something were to happen. And having night down the road in College Park or close by is um, important to note. So that's a name to keep an eye on in the future. No summer league to really get a look at him, but we'll see how he looks in Atlanta or in College Park if the G League season comes together. Um, last thing. On the podcast, a little bit shorter because there's not that there hasn't, hasn't been that much that happened on Thursday, but free agency opens on Friday evening. I wrote sort of a primer on a ton of options that the Hawks could be exploring. Um, again, that was intentionally wide ranging. I, I mentioned a ton of different guys. That was not me advocating for any of them. Just kind of wanted to lay out the options there. No new rumors on Thursday. It is worth noting that Gordon Hayward opted out of his contract. Um, opted out of his option, I should say, for next season, which was $34.2 million. That doesn't mean much in terms of what's going to happen next. It does It does take one of the scenarios off the table. Hayward could have uh, opted in and then got an extension off that, either, either with Boston or after a trade. But that's now off the table. He can still sign wherever he wants to. Right now, he is a full fre- he's a full-fledged free agent. He can sign wherever he wants or sign trade options are on the table. The Hawks could, pr- could pursue him, to be sure. We talked about that a little bit on the, on the last couple of podcasts, so go back in the archive if you have missed any of that. But Hayward would be, would be good. We'll see what they do on that. Um, also, the Bogdan Madanovich reported sign trade to Milwaukee seems to be on life support at best at this point in time, so the Hawks could, could, could sort of add him to their list of targets. Bogdanovich is 28, a talented guy, has some offensive equity on the ball, good shooter as well, would be a pretty interesting fit in Atlanta. We can touch on him more if there's any more rumors on that, but just a logical guy to add back to the list that was kind of off the list 
as of a couple of nights ago. So that will do it on today's podcast. Hopefully that is sort of a good primer looking forward. As a bit of housekeeping, I will not definitely have a new show until Sunday night. If the Hawks make a big splash before then, I will probably come back and do an emergency podcast into the weekend. I try not to do too many weekend episodes because the network does not love that. But if it's uh, big enough news, I will bounce back in. Regardless, though, follow me on Twitter for my live thoughts at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks, as, as I said before, the next show will be Sunday night at the latest. So stay tuned for all that. And the best way to find it is to subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends as well. Subscribe, rate, review, download, all that fun stuff. And we will see you at the very, very latest at the end of the weekend.